Hello, and thanks for coming along to And We Have an Office Dog, the digital agency podcast where we talk to agency owner directors and learn more about what makes them tick. From the things that make them similar to the things they'd rather have known sooner, where they've had success, and where they've learned some hard lessons. All will be revealed with your host, Chris Simmons, the agency coach, and he'll be talking to a different awesome agency person in each episode, asking them four questions and seeing where the conversation takes us over the next 25 minutes. Okay, so let us begin. Over to you, Chris. Thanks, voiceover guy. And on the podcast today, we've got Russ Tavendale from Type A Media. How are you doing, Russ? Very good. Thank you, Mr. Samans. It's uh, lovely to be back. Can't believe that it's uh, been a full season. It's um, season past. one, episode one. Wow. Left the neck. And look how far we've come, huh? Couple yeah, exactly. More, a couple more grey hairs. I think I'm a couple of pounds heavier. My liver's a little bit more dried out. You know, we're all making good progress in all fronts. Yeah, in all, in all the right fronts, all the yeah. fronts. <laughs> so for those terrible people who skipped series one, and are now listening to series two, um, give them a little bit of a rundown of who you are and who Type A is and what do you guys do best? Uh, type A is a form of diabetes. No, uh, Type A Media are a digital marketing agency, an SEO agency specializing in data journalism. My name is Ross. I am the managing director of said agency and I cut my teeth on big box agency world so the publicist groups and WPPs of the world dealing with big blue chips and started type A five years ago now which is pretty nuts to think it's been is this year going to be your fifth birthday uh yeah flipping egg there you go big party coming up everyone you heard it here first RSVP for your invites <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, over the last year since we spoke, what what have been some of the the major changes in the agency, and like for good or bad, how have you you know adapted to those things? Uh, the major changes have been around structure, around hiring, so um, understanding you know getting the right people in the right seats, yep. doing a proper org chart, really doubling down on. Uh, job descriptions and really looking at the people element of the business uh, more than just the delivery element. When you're first getting started, it's like make a product that's really amazing, make a process that's really amazing. And then you do that and then you, you know, there's only so much that you can tinker with. And then it's like, cool, we now need to, you know, get past the um, certain revenue targets and certain headcount. How do we do that? Well, that's through the internal processes. So that's been the big change for us as the kind of operations side of things. Yeah. Um, well, building an operational machine uh, that essentially gives you the, the traction, should we say. Uh, that that is a need. very good keyword. Yeah, we read traction. We have something called mm, there we go. our, uh, what's, what's it even stand for? Uh, vision. And I forget what the TO stands for, actually. But essentially, we've... Um, really systematized what we want to achieve in a one, mm. three, and five-year timeline. So it was like a one-year plan, a three-year uh, picture, and a five-year view. And they just get more, you know, one of them's written with 
you know, fine line pen, the next one with a marker, and then the next one with a paintbrush. So yeah, that really helped. And then defining our quote unquote rocks every quarter, which are our big boulders that we need to move out of the way to, to move things forward. And slowly but surely, it started to really put us in a, a really good place. And and those are the sorts of things which that you can buy these books, by the way, everyone. Um, I'm not sure I'm going to try and gatekeep any of this secret knowledge. Um, they're the sort of things that if you know what it is you want to change, the the you can you can follow one of these. Uh, you can follow some of these practices in these books. And I think that you know, not saying, oh, yeah, you definitely need an agency coach. By the way, I'm just saying that everyone should you know book me, but. Um, you still need uh, you need a uh, you need to follow something, and if you've got something that's in writing and you're following a process and you know where you want to go, this the, the, these sorts of things are really helpful. Um, do, have you found any particular part of kind of working on that side of the business harder than anything else from your perspective? The people bit is always a challenge for me. Um, I find myself trying to do things to to make people um happy and grow them in their positions and grow their careers and trying to work out the like the the balance that's always the the challenging part um recruitment has become much easier this year uh weirdly um we started opening it up to uh countries outside of the UK um which it just massively changed things for us i think the UK market especially the London market for recruitment is pretty hardcore, especially when you're dealing with recruiters who mm-hmm. perhaps do not have, well, I mean, they're they're incentivized to do certain things that are not necessarily aligned with your best interests. So with that, that's been uh, an interesting one. Interesting side note, uh, you recently hired my first ever hire, didn't you? I did, yes. Totally uh, by accident. <laughs> it's so strange. And yeah, I'm just slowly taking all of your intellectual property from your first ever agency onto my. You're doing it very uh, slowly because there wasn't very much. Um, <laughs> yeah, one a year. We'll do one a year. Um, um, yeah, we did. He's, he's been um, phenomenal. You know, we've eventually got him to unlearn all that rubbish he learned at Optus. And yeah, <laughs> like, I, t- like I told you, anything that anything good that he's doing, I obviously taught him. Uh, beyond that, it's it's been seven and a half years. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. So t- beyond the the agency developing in the last year, what what's been something you've noticed in the in the industry as a whole that's that's uh, developed or evolved, um, and how are you as a business adapting to it? Um, there's been a lot more players in the market and it continues to be more and more fragmented. When we last spoke, I think I was complaining about uh, these new agencies coming in and cutting their own throats. And what I mean by that is um, we lost a piece of business um, to someone who was going to do it cheaper and with no terms. And we're we're fine to lose when it's that that's the you know if we're beat on we'll have no contract and we'll do it for you know no money, well, that's not great. So I see that a lot more. I, I'm also seeing it is much harder to get a client to commit to an annual contract, which mm-hmm. in my mind doesn't make any real sense because the companies we deal with are typically mid-sized to large. Mm-hmm. And their marketing budget gets signed off annually. Mm. 
So what used to happen is marketing budget gets signed off, SEO is part of that, sign you up for the year, off you go, try and get it again next year. That's not happening as much. Their procurement teams are much, um, they'd prefer to just have you just on a 30 day roller, which mm-hmm. is just really not a good place for, for agency. And, and and from an agency's point of view, obviously, it means that you kind of have to increase the, the monthly fee in order to de-risk losing them sooner than the year. And for anyone who hasn't listened, we did a um, we did a, a, a webinar um, about a month ago about IP and contracts. And there's a really good reason for um, having longer term contracts. And it's not just to lock a client in. It certainly shouldn't be. Um, and and I, I know that you'll have noticed this as well, Ross, when you're when you're trying to have longer term contracts with clients, it often does come down to um, de-risking on both sides from a financial point of view but also kind of making the agency look better if someone was to want to buy it. That and also like it's a, it's a better deal for the client to do long-term contracts because you can invest more as an agency up front and get them results faster because you know that you've got the, the year's contract to fall back on. An yeah. example is one of our clients who are uh, French and English. So we have uh, and SEO and PR. So two service lines for us and two countries for us. Um, the interesting thing there is we don't have just ready to rock and roll, you know, French PR because it's quite niche. Um, so yeah, imagine. yeah, so, and especially for this industry as well. Um, so you're just layering niche on niche on niche. Um, and also they need to be like au fait with SEO and link building and all that. So it's, there's not a, a big, you know, line of people around the corner ready to do it. So you need to hire in specialists for it, and that would typically be on a freelance contract. Now, you cannot hire a freelancer 30 days at a time that's worth their salt because no one who's good wants to have the risk of 30 days and dropped. And also, I want to book their time so I can guarantee deliverability for the client. Yeah. And I can't, and so I, I need to book them for a year. And then the, um, and so therefore the client needs to be able to sign a contract for a year. So it's actually in the client's best interests to do that because it creates stability mm. um which is I, I, what i don't think they realize a lot of the time yeah there's the but well, there's um a lot of concerns around money at the minute in many senses and i think it's not always the best decision to make as you say but i think there's a there's an argument there where um someone at the top who has the purse strings makes a decision but doesn't understand the where that any of these the, the the money is is necessarily spent i think and obviously, I, 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 like everything, it's kind of cyclical. Eventually, the the budget caps will disappear, and all of a sudden, it'll be a spend fest again, like it was. Was it two thousand ten, eleven, twelve? Um, just all of a sudden went went hyperbolic. Um, could be looking at that again in a year or two's time, assuming that that you know financial services uh, change their their tune somewhat. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that um, I think that's definitely going to happen and when there's blood on the streets, it's really a good time for uh, companies that do things like organic marketing because that's typically the one thing that gets more investment. We saw it with the uh, COVID um, pandemic, or I should, I should probably not say certain words in case it you know, demonetizes or reduces the... Um, okay, you're, you're one of the four listeners, so it's fine. Right, yeah, so it's now down to uh, two of four. Um, so I think it'll be good for organic marketing with, with all this stuff happening. One of the things that we're maneuvering to do is 
um, give them cancellation terms month to month, but um, annual but full annual contract values, which allows them to break but keeps the contract values high. Mm. And in the industry wise, that, that that totally makes sense. And and you've you know you've talked about some of the major developments in the agency over the last year. What do you think's been one of the kind of the core personal and professional developments that you've personally seen in the last year yourself? I've personally seen people get a lot better at the working from home remote thing. And mm. that has certainly got a lot more. We, we've worked out how to be- build culture when being remote. And it means making a little bit extra effort with yeah. comms and things like that. So in terms of professional development, I think it's really just the nuance in conversation and communication mm. uh, with people. Um, in terms of my personal professional development, um, I think my um, my mindset has very much been trying to simplify everything. Mm. Um, we we had a, a kind of one of our kind of secondary values was less but better. So we we want to still deliver great work to our clients, but do we necessarily need to produce fifteen pieces of documentation in order for them to <laughs> understand? no. Almost definitely no. I mean, it was we have a a multi-country client, and their Google Drive is just like it's impossible to mm. find anything for them. So that's how we started to look at our professional development, and um, we've created something where there's a single thread that goes through all deliverables from a um, delivery point of view to a strategy point of view to a reporting point of view, which has become very important. Whereas before, mm. it was very just disparate deliverables now everything is heavily connected and makes sense well it's been um one of the the major wins for the year for taipei i think the major wins uh would be so when we opened up our hiring process to outside of the uk being able to onboard quite a lot of people that are not uk based integrating with our culture um and get them working on client stuff straight away that's been a major win for us as a business. Um, and also just learning little silly things that you don't take into consideration, like there's no Amazon.com in certain countries. So <laughs> how do you get someone a laptop there? Also, and, and how do you someone... post something when maybe those countries don't necessarily have the best of services and things? And like, you know, Orch pirates are quite a big thing in some of those like particular places and all of that. So, uh, yeah, that's been interesting. Or like, if someone leaves, how do you get the equipment back when they're in like Dubai? You know, it's just like all that sort of stuff. And you, you start to realize that there's so many of these like implicit trust contracts you have with your team mm. um, that you need to really lean on quite heavily. So, yeah, we, we've learned a lot about uh, and integrating the international i would say at 12 years in 12 12 years 12 months into the future we're recording season three um we're looking back over the next year that's to come what's your main focus for the business uh it's doubling headcount and achieving uh a a personal escape velocity Mm -hmm. and what i mean by that is um as a md owner um I wear, so when we done a right seat, a right people, right seats exercise, 
I'm sitting in the three seats. Uh, which, you Lovely. know, what, well, I've got a big arse, but it's not that big. Um, <laughs> so uh, we need people to fill those seats, namely commercial director. That will be like the last mm. domino to fall for type A before we can hit true scale. Um, and then looking at HR and we, we use all these various surrogate companies, many of which we found on the OMG Centre um, to do our HR and, and things of that nature. So the bringing that, yeah. <laughs> um bringing that in-house is going to be a big, big thing for us. So 12 months into the future, we're going to see a, a larger headcount. We're going to see um, the, the dominoes coming into place, ready to fall. Um, it's a pretty, pretty big year ahead then. Yeah, it was actually, and again, and I'm not just saying this because you're interviewing me, but um, I took on a um, executive coach, again, from the OMG Centre, um, and pointed out something really interesting to me. So as a business, we will go up to a certain very significant revenue number and then we'll come back down and then we'll go up and we'll come back down and we'll just consistently do this. And he said, well, why don't you just create little mini companies inside a company at that revenue figure? And I'm like, oh, which makes sense. And all he's done there and but with different languages said, create pods. And then just go create a new pod. If you're really good at you know building a business up to a certain size, just yeah. do that over and over and over again. There doesn't have to be some crazy complex layer thing. Just redo that. You know, do it again. So yeah. that's yeah. really helping me to think differently about achieving scale and structure. And all of a sudden, getting into like crazy you know uh, revenue numbers is less intimidating because it's just like mm. two or three pods of something I've done multiple times in the last five years. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I know I won't be a year before I speak to you again, but best of luck. And I've, I'm pretty sure that you'll you'll have at least some of those more pods this time next year. We shall see and perhaps a couple more grey hairs. But um, yeah, it's been great to talk and I hope to see you somewhere in the very near future. Thanks a lot, Ross. In the next episode, we'll revisit another agency leader and see how their last year has been. So thanks very much for listening. Ah, ah.